My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, men, 40-plus guys in the gay community, some of you, believe it or not, you're now officially daddies. Yes, you are daddies, and there's a daddy perspective. And you may not like it, you may not love it, you may embrace it, you may not. In fact, there's actually a lot of interesting generational stuff that like, hey, I look at it as a sign of respect. And then sometimes I just want to slap the shit out of some of these younger guys. Like, listen to your daddy. Let me guide you to where you're headed, okay? But today I felt like it would be a really good opportunity to bring a new buddy of mine onto the podcast who he actually just was part of our 40 plus chat so if you guys were there you're going to recognize this guy's voice you're going to recognize him we had a really cool conversation about generational perspectives and guess what kevin and i decided his name is kevin cassier that we were going to have a little daddy chat today mm-hmm. not that i'm his daddy or anything but i think it would be fun because he's he's half my age He's a young life coach who's done amazing stuff. I love watching his Instagram. He does great advice, great direction. <clears throat> does a little bit of beating y'all up too. But um, Kevin, I'm so excited to have you here with me on the podcast. And thanks for making time to talk to us guys over 40 and giving us your daddy perspective on stuff, man. So glad yeah. to have you here, man. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm, you know, I love the gay community in general, and I do love daddies platonically mm. and more as well. But <laughs> okay, well, we'll okay, well, duly noted the more. So there we go. But um, I think it's interesting though, because some people are like, okay, I'm gonna admit it. I was one of those like, don't call me daddy. Now I'm like, yeah, call me daddy if you want. That's totally cool because there was a time in my life, early 40s, I was I was truly a father. I mean, I have two kids. So when somebody called me daddy, I'm like, I'm not gonna raise you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. But why do you think, and maybe it's just my perspective at this point, it seems to be, at least from my observation, there seems to be kind of a a little bit of a surge or maybe more of a surge. I mean, you live in LA, West Hollywood area. It just seems like the daddy community is kind of like, kind of like, hey, yeah, we kind of like the daddies. What's your view on that? Yeah, you know, just like how you mentioned, I do notice plenty of older guys who fit the daddy norm if they get called daddies some of them have had to get used to it and i don't know how that feels so maybe you could share more but kind of just like how you mentioned you might have an idea of what they mean by daddy like family man raising kids but nowadays i think when someone says daddy they mean it as like a hot mature um independent guy who could, mm-hmm. you know, nurture you and be kind to you, yep. which, of course, that is a lot more different than someone who could raise a child, right. you know. Um, but there's similarities. I mean, there are definitely similarities. I mean, I know a lot of guys my age and older, or well, I guess I always think young. I'm like, hey, I just turned 60. But a lot of guys in that 40 plus range where, yeah, they've never had kids. 
but there is this essence of maturity this like i'm not gonna say all of them have their shit together yeah but there is that like hey kind of show me the way right Mm -hmm. i mean it probably just relates to the key difference between i think if someone doesn't like the term daddy versus Mm -hmm. they do the key difference is there's a a form of sexual attraction there you know like that is the difference with gay guys nowadays it's all over memes it's all over jokes like daddy is the craze now you know when before people might have been like oh you're a dating guy that's 15 years older than you he must be a sugar daddy but now people are more open to dating people or hooking up with people like that without it being a financial thing because they're just willing to admit there are hot older guys out there. Well, I think we can leave it blame it on the heteros because it used to be the gold <laughs> digger women. So let's just go there. Right. Yeah. They start quote started this craze, but here's something interesting. I was talking to a guy that I know who's 76, I think. And so he's been through <clears throat> the entire, like, you know, Stonewall, all this sort of stuff. I mean, he was actually at Stonewall And so we were having a conversation about this exact topic. And he goes, Rick, this isn't anything new. It's just much more prevalent and talked about now. He goes, I was attracted to older guys when I was a young gay guy. Mm -hmm. He goes, but back then, and even today, I'm not going to say current date isn't this way. I just think there's a little more discernment to it now. Yeah. The daddy thing meant pedophilia. And so that was something really big to deal with. Right. And I think for, I think it depends on the guy. It's kind of like the older gener, older generation, my generation and older who the word queer bothers them because it was such a stigma. Right. I think it's a similar thing with the daddy thing. You know, you got to find where it fits for them, which is you're a coach. I'm a coach. We know this is, this is a lot what people struggle with and all this stuff. It's like, where's the fit for you? What is it? What's the trigger that's pushing your trigger in the midst of this thing? Mm-hmm. And let's kind of look at that trigger and understand it and see if we can't work with it to make you become more accepting, more comfortable, whatever it might be. So. Yeah. And I mean, just like you mentioned with the whole like younger and possible pedophilia thing. I mean, it is still a thing that sometimes happens. These yeah. young gay guys, they want that first experience and they try to find it with whoever's willing to give it to them. And it yes. might not be their classmate, their closeted classmate. It might be their classmate's dad yep. or something like that. Yep. I, you know, just like how you mentioned, and we've been talking about like some people not liking the daddy phrase imposed on them. Right. I personally, this is just my own opinion. You know, I don't like when people consider me a twink, but of mm. course, if someone says that, I'm not going to waste my breath being like, you know, actually, I don't like when people call me that blah, blah, blah. Because I understand if I'm walking through the world, like I'm a lean guy. In my yeah. mind, I'm hairy, which cancels that out. But people don't think of nuance like that. Right. I think a lot of people would still think of me as a twink. And I know that they're not saying that in a negative way. So right. for these people who don't like hearing the term daddy, even if your initial reaction is a negative one, try to think like, is the other person saying it in a positive way? And use that to like battle your your ego that might be trying to turn it into a bad thing when really it's a good thing. Well, it is a good thing. And, and sometimes 
I see it more as a term of endearment. So I'm going to even go one step further. So it's interesting. You're like, yeah, I got it. I'm a slender guy and all that. So I get in the twink space, but then I'm a furry guy. See, I would say, and I've seen you with your shirt off and everything, not because Kevin and I play together. (laughs) Let's not go there. But he's very willing to, you know, do that in his videos and stuff. You've actually encouraged me to do that. I've actually done that a couple of times. Like, I'm just oh, going to show my, my daddy chest and here we go, right? Man boobs. Yeah, you know, and you and, even talked about something on your chest too in the video, which I thought yep, was pretty Yep, the heart thing. Yep, that's a whole nother thing. Now I'm going to get a metal thing inserted in the heart coming up soon. But hey, it's all good. Um, but what's interesting is I struggled with the bear culture too. Because I'm a big guy, right? I mean, I'm 6'4". Right now, I'm coming down on my weight, but 295, and I'm furry. So, yeah, I immediately fall into daddy and bear culture, right? Now, this was my own coming out shit I had to get past. Because the first time I got called a bear, I was not as big as I am now. I mean, when I first came out, I... Okay, six foot four guys, and I weighed 190 because I was not eating. I was trying to be super slim. I was cycling a lot. I did not look good. I did not look good at all. My parents, the first time they saw me, and of course, there was a whole lot of other coming out stuff built into this one. Oh, now we understand you're sick. Mm. No, mom and dad, I'm not sick. This is, this is, uh, hey, I went off the deep end on trying to like, hey, I, well, I was stressed and all that sort of stuff. Was it like the, you trying to not be a bear? No, no. I was trying to just like, oh, the only way I'm going to find a guy, because I hadn't even, the bear thing hadn't shown up yet. Mm. I was just like under, honestly, so much stress from the divorce and everything. I was living on top ramen and wine. Mm, what a combination. Um, <laughs> just because I just was like, everything was like, hold it together. Just keep it together. Don't lose the kids. You know, where are you going to find? I mean, it was, it was a super stressful time. So there were times I was just wasn't eating. And then when I got laid off, I started cycling like a madman. So that was just dropping the pounds right and left. And then I started teaching spin class on top of that. So everything led to this perfect storm until finally my doctor said, knock it off. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the charts. You are not supposed to be 190. You need to be somewhere between 240 and 270, no matter what any other doctor says. Oh, wow, says that's a right. big difference. Big difference, right. So, and I had been like 260 when all this started, and then I dropped clear down to 190. Mm. And now I really own, I mean, I'm heavier than I want to be right now, but I know if I drop this next 30 pounds, I'm going to be right back to where I really liked, a little bit of little bit of daddy belly and not much, but enough to play with. And hey, we'll be good to go, right? Yeah, you know, I couldn't embrace bod, it. That's that's the term now. Too. That is the thing too. Like dad bod, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, you said, Hey, I'm a furry guy. So if I saw you, I, I, my first thing would be, okay, well, he kind of is a twink. But then as soon as I knew you're a furry, I'm like, well, but he's kind of a ottery sort of guy too. Cause you got the fur, you know? Yeah. But yeah. as soon as that happened for me, like, okay, I'm starting to embrace this piece. I started loving myself. Mm-hmm. I totally started loving myself for who I were. Now I get the twink thing being, I don't like it when people call. I mean, <laughs> I will call guys a twink every once in a while, but usually it's like, I'll be scrolling through online or something like, Oh, isn't that a cute little twink? I yeah. would never call a guy that because I know that there's a, that can be really detrimental if they don't see themselves that way. Yeah. And huge just impact. like I said, I know a lot of people really, want to be a twink i know some Mm. people who are in their 40s and would literally kill to still look like they're in their 20s for me i'm excited like 
I, I know the older I get, I'm taking good care of myself. The older I get, I think the better I'm going to look. Yep. And based on how history has happened, that's how it will. And another thing too, like with the whole daddy, dad bod thing, like the most prominent example right now is Pedro Pascal. Yep. He is like the epitome of, you know, it's, it's clear that he probably exercises a little bit, but he clearly doesn't do steroids. He's not in the gym every single day but he has a little stomach. He has a nice chest too. Like he, I don't know. He, he is like the epitome of like a very realistic looking daddy and just yep. look at how much attention he's getting. People yes. aren't talking about like Mario Lopez as much as they're talking about Pedro Pascal right now. Yeah. It's funny. My husband and I were taking a walk <clears throat> down along the beach here where we live and um so there's a a beach trail that we walk on but then there's also kind of a hill trail that we go through that's along a creek and everything and i don't know why we did both that one day but we're like oh let's go to the beach and then let's go here right we're walking along the beach and this guy comes running by and he was very nicely put together you could tell he was your probably your typical runner possibly iron man sort of guy not overly muscular but just really trim lean right mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, that's that's nice to look at, right? Well, then we get on the creek trail and we can hear these people running coming up behind us. And this guy passes us. And all I saw was like a quick side glance and he had his shirt off. And then when he got beyond, I'm like, oof. <laughs> and it was because he had just a little bit of, you know, luggage on him. And I'm like, oh, that, you know, and that, not that I didn't like the other guy. That guy was appealing too. But I find it so interesting that when we start talking about body shapes and all body image and all this stuff, and then you get yeah. into the dad sphere, it's such an interesting thing to watch guys who are attracted to daddies because some of them are attracted to daddies because they have a belly. Others are attracted to dads because of what they represent in like their success. Others are attracted to dads because they're muscle dads or furry dads or bear dads or whatever. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And for my listeners, this is why I wanted to have this conversation. If you're upset by it, maybe it's time to step back and embrace it mm -hmm. and really understand, try to see what the guy's attracted to because it's actually probably more of a compliment than not. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, my husband and I got into this conversation and I had put something on a profile and said, yeah, got a dad bod. And he goes, you don't have a dad bod. I'm like, mm, I do. He goes, no, no, no. Dad bods are really well put together. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. And we kind of went round and round, you know, and this was just as dad bod was starting to be. And so then a good friend of mine who's a, a life coach, he's a, you know, furry cub is what I would consider him. Smaller build guy. He competed to be in men's health and he was referring to himself as a dad bod. I'm like, bitch, you're 30 some years old. You're not a dad yet, but he could be. You know, yeah. Nowadays, it was just, I mean, you could be in your twenties and be called a daddy. You know? Exactly, because yeah. of the age of when you know people are coming into this truth. Yeah. So you kind of alluded to, and we're not going to go super deep unless you want to, but you kind of alluded to you find dads attractive. So what yeah. is a dad? What's the appeal for you to a dad? Well, you know, it's probably varied. I'm going to admit that it's probably going to be yeah. a lot of different things. I'm, I'm attracted to a lot of different types of people. So I will say it's not like daddies are the only type of person I'm into. Right. But, you know, almost like how you mentioned seeing the two different guys on your trail, 
you know, I do think seeing a guy with some more meat on his bones or a bigger chest or a bigger stomach, kind of in like the kink leather mm. style, mm-hmm. I think of like meat, you know, yes. like I yeah. look at him and I think like that is like a hunk of meat, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of objectifying, but it's very tantalizing, mm. you know, and I am more likely to fantasize sexual things about a guy like that than like a gorgeous, well-groomed, put-together guy in West Hollywood. Who that mm-hmm. guy I might imagine like fun times with as well. But with a with a bigger guy, you could really imagine the heat, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so they can they can throw somebody like you around. I can just pick you up and like, you know? Yeah. But I but and, there's an interesting thing. And I I mean, personally, this is for me. And I've heard a lot of guys my size, they're like, there's something just amazing about being with a smaller guy. It's like you can wrap them, like literally wrap your arms around them, like mm-hmm. really like that intimacy and stuff. Um, and I it's just an think, interesting space. Yeah, I think with, you know, the daddy guys, I get this feeling with daddies, you know, that they're confident and they're more yes. secure with themselves. If someone is like older and insecure, um, I probably won't consider him a daddy in my mm. mind. So if a guy is more confident and more secure and more open with who he is, he's probably more fun, whether you're in the bedroom or not. He's probably less likely to stick to certain norms. He is more like happy-go-lucky, I guess you would say, and less focused on like trying to keep up some facade, you know? So that is a big attractor to me of confident daddy guys is you could just let loose, you know, you don't have to try to moan a certain way. You don't have to say a certain joke. You don't have to walk or talk a certain way because Mm -hmm. hopefully at that point, they don't care. They've aged enough to when they realize like these little things don't matter. Just go through life on your first instinct, not Mm -hmm. thinking about like what other people want. So that's what I like also about the daddy guys is you could just be yourself because they're clearly being themselves. Right. Well, I know for me and, you know, I came out at 36. And so the first 10 years is when I was really struggling through stuff, so to speak. I mean, okay, I'm out, but there's like coming to terms with being a gay dad and being divorced and, you know, trying to date with kids and all that sort of stuff. And I was very blessed because I met my husband like within three years of coming out and here we are 22 years later. But even in that first 10 years, it was like that whole fight trying to figure myself out piece, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I started seeing guys in similar situations to me who were dads coming out and they started to appreciate me and to see the wisdom and stuff, I'm like, well, wait, there's something here to be looking towards. That's a lot of the reason that I ended up going into being a life coach. I'm like, wait, I can guide this, right? Mm And when I finally started realizing there was a confidence that I was lacking because I couldn't embrace who I was as a gay man. And then when I started going, wait, part of this is just embracing I'm I'm actually a really good dad, number one, but I can be like this dad perspective and image to other gay men, even guys my own age. And it used to get under my skin when somebody's like, my own age, like, you're a hot, you're hot daddy. I'm like, you're my same age, bitch. Don't be calling me daddy, right? <laughs> And then I started realizing, no, that's actually kind of a term of respect. Like, you know, hey, cool, you know, 
And I think this is something that we can all grow through that. Yes. Even to your, like the twink thing is at times it can be hard depending on the person, right? You hear something like that. I was like, Oh, I kind of want to cringe. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's inviting us to grow. That's inviting us to either stand up and say, Hey, that doesn't, you know, I appreciate it, but that doesn't really work for me or to go, I can get through this. It's not going to end my world. It's not going to make my life come tumbling down because they called me a bear or a daddy or a twink or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, in our culture, and you've been coaching now quite a bit too, where I'm sure in your practice with guys, you see that when we get hung up on these things, it causes us to freeze. It causes us not to be able to move forward. So as you coach people, is this something you see? Is like they something gets said and then suddenly they're just fixated on it and they can't get past it. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the bear thing. And I have some clients who love being a bear. One of my clients who, you know, his testimonial is online and all that posted. His Instagram is daddy bear back. So he loves the whole bear persona. I have some other clients who, you know, in my mind, I would definitely consider them a bear, but yeah. they don't like it. And they mm. mention how some people have said that to them. So I try to mention just like my twink story. I say things yes. like, yeah, you know, like keep in mind, does it really matter what some one person thinks of you? Like if you feel the need to correct this person being like, I'm not a bear because bears have this, bears have that. Like, <laughs> How much wasted breath are you? What are you getting from that? You know, Mm -hmm. you'll, unless it's someone you're probably going to see forever and ever, but if it's some random guy at a bar or some guy on grinder, what's the point? Yes. I got comments all the time online, like either calling me a twink or saying like I'm white, which I'm Iraqi. So, but I don't feel the need to, with each of those, correct it because I would just be wasting my fingers, wasting my typing fingers. So I'll just let them think what they think. Even if I correct them, they might continue thinking it anyway. Right. And the fact is, I can't control everyone's opinion of me. Mm -hmm. So even if their opinion is not my ideal, I just keep in mind, it's like water off a duck's back. You know, the water rolls in and I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. That's not my ideal, but who cares? Literally, I well, but I, you just brought something up, Kevin, that's really important. A couple of things that I always say when I'm working with clients to friends, even if they're not clients, is we own a couple of things. We own our reactions and we own our energy. And every time we give our reactions and our energy away, we get exactly what we deserve mm-hmm. because we're in control of all of this. Now, I can say that on this podcast. It sounds really good. And I could get off here in 20 minutes and go, oh, screw that. And I, I haven't eaten my own dog food. But it is something that's really prevalent in my own mind. Like, hey, I could go off on somebody. Actually, something happened today online that I'm like, oh, I really want to. And I'm like, nope, don't don't even go there. Mm -hmm. Just let it go because it's not worth my energy. And I can take that energy and put it into something so much better. (laughs) So I went and exercise. I'm like, okay, let's take that energy and go work it off. Right. Yeah. But I think it's a really powerful thing when we can harness that and hold on to it and guide ourselves in a different direction. Yeah, RuPaul has that song, Sissy That Walk. And one line Mm. says, unless they paying your bills, pay them bitches, no mind. Yes. There are, are, if you were to take a poll of every person in the world, you would be coming across so many opinions that you aren't happy Mm -hmm. with. But once again, how much will it affect you? Will it affect your income if you change their mind? 
will it affect your social circle if you change their mind? Or will it literally do nothing in the world? I'm sure we've all been on a Facebook fight before. Facebook argument. So just try to think of like, where did that Facebook argument get you? That's where most like corrections will get you. If it's a quick thing, you know, so be it. But if it's going to be a back and forth, back and forth conversation, when you're defining, this is what I think of a dad bod. And this is what you think of a dad bod. And this is why they don't match. Mm-hmm. Like once well, again, is, is it what's, really it's, what's worth the it? point? Is it yeah. worth it? You know, it's like, kind of like that conversation with my husband. I'm like, okay, we see dad bods different. Now he kind of gets it. Yeah. And is <laughs> with your husband, it makes sense. You see him yeah. all the time, yeah. but I'm, I'm especially, well, no, thinking- I kicked him out of the house that night and said, go away. You, you're right. <laughs> yeah no, I, didn't. I did not do people online or people at a bar or a friend of a friend usually i'm guessing those are the people that we have kind of disagreements with we're Absolutely. not probably with our closest people yeah. in our circle so you live in a very gay centric area los angeles west hollywood area yeah what do you find And just because you're here, I'm going to delve into this really quickly. What do you find is one of the biggest struggles with the older gay guys? Like the guys over 40, what are they struggling with most? Mm, Well, you know, I'm pretty lucky because not only do I get comments on social media of people like that, but I talk a lot like at bars and clubs. I feel so awkward dancing. So my favorite thing is talking to random people. Hmm. So I do end up talking to a lot of guys that are above that age. And, you know, they talk about feeling invisible. They talk Mm -hmm. about when you get to a certain age, like everyone just thinks you're a creep or some weirdo. And there are other guys, too, who don't feel that way at all. And there are some guys who feel like, oh, I get more attention now. I feel like when I was younger, I was kind of a weirdo and I looked more scraggly. But now Mm -hmm. that I'm like 50, I'm like more desired than ever before. So I think there's a whole range of positive viewpoints of being at a certain age at the bars and negative viewpoints of being a certain age at the bars. And I mean, if you're at a bar full of 20 year olds and you're over 40 and you're not having luck, maybe go to a different bar. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. You know, there's the Eagle, which I know the Eagle is like in many places. Yes. But if you're at a West Hollywood bar with, fresh 21 year olds and you're not having luck um change your setting you know there are plenty of bars that i don't have luck with too and i'm not going to blame society i'm going to understand that certain bars want certain people and that's just the nature of it there might be things that limit me whether it's my muscularity or my income or my hair color or whatever right or even the conversations I have, you know, or how sexual I am. Mm-hmm. Some places mm-hmm. might be like, oh, you should only come here if you want to go in the dark room with me. But if I'm just talking and talking, I will understand that that bar, I shouldn't try to impose my energy on that exactly. place that has this built up reputation. So I love that you're saying that because, well, first of all, I love that you 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 openly in this part of the reason I, I loved getting to know you before we actually even had a conversation. I kept watching your vulnerability and your willingness to say things. And, and just the fact that I feel awkward dancing. So now of course I want to make you go dance. I'm like, I want to come to, I'm going to come to WeHo. You and I are going to go out, you know, oh we're going to go dancing and have fun. 
but um, I've tried it. But it's I'll funny because I, I at this stage in my life, I'm like, I mean, we're getting ready to go on a, a gay cruise, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really want to dance. And my husband will go, Oh, shut up, bitch! The last time we were with this group and we were on a on a vacation with them, it was 70s night, and you wouldn't stop dancing. So I, you know, I gotta. I got to be careful on this, but <laughs> what I love about this is you're giving people permission to say, it's okay if this isn't what's happening for you there. So go find some place that it does happen. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are not a big, like, Hey, let's go to the dance bars, but man, you give us a wine bar in any, any neighborhood, we'll be there in a heartbeat because I, well, I always, I talk, I, I'm like you, I talk, I'll talk to anybody. I'll strike up a conversation because I used to be kind of an introvert. Now I'm like, I'm, well, I don't give a shit anymore. I'll talk to anybody. If they don't want to talk to me, that's fine. Yeah. But to me, it's part of being in the world. This communication and all this sort of stuff is so cool, but know why you're going where you're going. I mean, sometimes you're just not the fit and that's okay. Yeah. But there's plenty of other places to go fit. And I think that's a big thing that gay men struggle with is, ooh, this is the only way we can fit. No, 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 no. And I've seen you say this a lot on your Instagram. There's many places. In fact, I think you posted one not long ago about like, go do this and go go to this group, go volunteer, go Mm -hmm. to, you know, just have a conversation in a bar. You don't have to do all this stuff. Yeah. I also imagine for the people that feel invisible and stuff like that, what is making them feel invisible. Are they looking Mm -hmm. for friends or are they trying to take someone home? Yes. Because what I would think is, I could be wrong, but what I would think is it more likely leads to sexual invisibility. And Mm -hmm. if you're going out with that intention, whether you're 40 or people in their 20s or 30s, if you're going out with that intention of taking someone home, like, why are you even wasting your time? Why are you wasting two hours dancing if you're doing it for one reason? One reason. If you're doing it for fun, great. If you're doing it to take someone home, go on an app and do that. Don't waste your friend's time. Don't waste your own time. Just be honest with yourself. Be honest with the people around you. That That's just my own little tidbit. I've been having talks with quite a few people lately who they're like laser focused on just like how can they validate themselves with other people's willingness to give up their body to them. So that's just been a pet peeve of mine. Oh, and whenever someone says they feel like yeah. When someone feels they they're invisible, I just can't help but think like, oh, so if someone came and said they want to have sex with you, would you suddenly be like everything is solved now? Because that's what I imagine. It's not going to be. I can yeah. um, I can promise that. Exactly. One hookup is not going to fix everything. They're going to forget it thirty minutes after it happens, yeah. or they're going to start judging it. They're going to start judging it. Like, okay, it happened. Oh, but oh, they're. <clears throat> We, you and I could go on and on about all this, but uh, yeah. it, it, it can be like, I'm suddenly back in the dumps 30 minutes later because they're not going to call, man, that was really good. I wonder what it really, was it really good for them? I enjoyed yeah. it, but it, well, and well, but what if I never hear from, well, it was grinder. So maybe I won't hear from, I'm like, again, even being on the apps, I'm like, guys, and I'm not, yes, I know love has been found on grinder and scruff and all of these. Okay. I'm not going to knock that, but for the majority of the time, guys, that's not what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. So you're putting a lot of onus on something that doesn't doesn't deserve that responsibility. No more so than walking in the Abbey in West Hollywood and going, I'm going to find the man of my dreams. The Abbey is not responsible for you finding the man of your dreams. Mm -hmm. You are responsible for finding the man of your dreams. The Abbey can create a container that possibly that could happen. 
but it's just, it's so interesting. And the same thing kind of back to our whole daddy stuff. If you're looking for a daddy of your dreams, then be looking for the daddy of your dreams and stay that course. Yeah. But don't waffle. If that's what you're really into, or if you're a daddy and you're looking for a son or younger guy, just own that. It's kind of like what I say to my other clients who are speaking clients. I'm like, you have to own that you are a professional speaker, just mm -hmm. like coaches that I've coached. Like you will never make it as a coach until you own that you are a professional coach and you're going to help change people's lives and you can have impact mm -hmm. until you own it. You cannot make it happen. And the same yeah. thing happens here. So. Okay, so yeah, Daddy, Rick, Daddy Rick just got on his soapbox and he'll step back. <laughs> I mean, I I did it for a second too. Yeah, the whole daddy and son thing too is people need to be clear. Do they want a daddy and son for one night? If so, so be it. Yeah. But do they want a daddy or a son for a long-term partner? Well, if so, then don't go on seeking arrangement because you're right. probably not going to find it on there. You're going right. to find someone who is looking for something else. So right. And be very clear what that looks like. I mean, oh, you know, I, I've talked to many young guys. I've been with young guys and they're like, oh, it'd be really cool. And then suddenly when when the fun is done, even if the fun is like, hey, we've been out on a hike or something. And suddenly it's like, uh, we actually don't have that much in common. I'm like, yeah. well, I could have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you that. Now I'm pretty open because I love generational like conversations and uncovering things and seeing what you like versus what I like and understanding this stuff. But that's kind of how I live my life. I mean, I've got two 20 somethings in my own world. So it's always interesting to see those generational pieces, but I'm not trying to create something out of it for the long term, but a good friendship a lot of yeah. times. And that seems to be something that's really interesting with some younger guys. They're like either in it for the, I'm going to have the man, but they don't realize how they're going to make it last. Yeah. Which yeah, I wonder, that's typical in gay relationships, but yeah. yeah. Speaking of the difference in generations and stuff, I wonder if that is also the case with older guys. Cause just like you said it, I agree that a lot of younger guys, they want something more but they're willing to settle for everything less than that. Yes. I wonder yeah. if older guys who might be more open to flat out saying like, I want a relationship or I want something serious. I wonder if they're also more willing to cut out the noise and mm -hmm. go for only what they want. Do you feel like you notice that in people? I do. I, I, I see that they, they, Say they want this, but they let a lot of noise get in the way. There's a lot of, you know, detours and obstacles. And <clears throat> so then I always bring them back. And, you know, when I'm coaching, I'm like, okay, we're, we're not to clarity yet. And, and, and clarity doesn't mean the checklist per se. It can be like, here, I need this. I need this. I need this on the checklist. But clarity can be, okay, if that's what you want, why is it important? And what will you experience when you have that? Okay, now let's move to the next thing. And then the next thing, you know, when I can do that, and I'm actually coaching two or three, yeah, three guys right now who are in um, multi-generational relationships and there's some walls being hit. But the beauty is for two of them, they keep opening themselves up to really explore and, okay, what's that wall? Why is that important to me? Or why is that something that needs to be discussed? And also realizing that in those relationships, even how they dialogue is going to be completely different than if it was 
them and me. I mean, they're, they're my age. Like, okay, we kind of get it. So yeah. there's a whole different tactic. And, um, it's kind of like you and I, I mean, you and I hardly know each other, but I think we've got that. We know how to, we know how to see each other's perspective, even though there's a pretty big difference in age here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when you can embrace that kind of space in a relationship, friendship or otherwise, and you don't go, well, that's, yes, we're all going to get irritated at people. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. oh, I don't get that at all. But when you like, okay, it's empathy and understanding and you make room for that to happen. Doesn't mean you have to embrace them unless you're going for that deeper relationship then you got to make space for is that a deal breaker mm-hmm. is that going to be the thing that sucks the energy out of the relationship is that something i absolutely cannot live with yeah but most people won't admit that stuff to themselves until it's too late so yeah because if they have something there they kind of want it <clears throat> but like how you mentioned i do think with anything but especially if there's generational differences there's a lot more perspective sharing that needs to happen and a lot more defining because the way I look at texting and communication and calling, it's probably much different from a guy who's 20 years older than me Mm -hmm. or much different from a guy who's 20 years younger than me too. So all of those things, especially if you're talking about a friendship or a romantic relationship, they should be defined because what someone thinks is like giving someone space Another person might think as like negligence and forgetting about them and hating them. Yeah. So all it's of those interesting things. if you just ask a question. So how would you like to be communicated with? And what's mm-hmm. the frequency? Yeah. So okay. Well, son, thank you for giving daddy your time today. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So Kevin, um, you really, really like coach on a lot of topics and everything. So what's a good shout out? Where can people find you? How, if they wanted to, because guess what? Papa Rick can't coach all these bitches on the planet. So you got to <laughs> take some of my people, buddy, but um, I would be happy to reach yeah. out to you. I, I work with a whole variety of people, but mostly gay men yeah. and Instagram is the best place to find me for, it would be my name, Kevin Kassir, K-A-S-I-R. And if someone does want to work with me, they could message me on Instagram or through email, which awesome. that's on my Instagram. Even if they don't want to work with me, I mean, they could still check out my stuff and I will yeah. never send a cold message. I don't want to do that. I don't need to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's Instagram is for sure the best place. If you follow awesome. me, you will see my face every day, sometimes my nipples and sometimes my legs. Yeah, I, I usually put the beacon out like he's showing his nipples again. Go, boys, <laughs> go see. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so including, anyway. I think, just two days ago or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I was in a Speedo. But yep, I, it, it all relates to life coaching. I promise yes, it relates to it life does. coaching. Yep. And that's why, you know, so my friend um, Joe Court, who's a sexologist and all that, really well known in our community. He's he's slaying it over on um, TikTok, <clears throat> and one of the TikTok videos, he's like got his shirts on. He's a hairy bear. I mean, I'm talking. He's he's a hairy hairy bear. I'm like, he's my age. He's got his shirt off. Well, then right after that was one of the first times I saw you on Instagram. I'm like, okay, and I'm like, why wouldn't I? And yeah. so I actually like was sitting there going, "There's some shame I want to talk about that many of you may not know because a lot of you like, oh my gosh, you just you're willing to be vulnerable and everything." And I literally started unbuttoning my shirt on that video. I'm like, I'm a little ashamed of my man moves, but you know they are what they are. And guess what? I'm not ashamed of. I'm really proud of my hairy chest. Yeah. And it was like a really like you know, of course, you know, thirst trap sort of thing started happening. I'm like, okay, well that wasn't really what I was going for, guys. But thank you anyway, right? Yeah. See, even but if it, you're ashamed of it, there are other people who drool when they see it. This yep. this specific thing that you don't 
want you think people won't like yes. some people like that more than if you didn't mm -hmm. have well, I so appreciate you, buddy. I'm so glad we've become friends at this point and we support each other. If you all want to follow him, make sure you go to his Instagram. I love his Instagram. He is like somebody I, I literally try to check out every day um, to see what he's been doing. And like I said, if you're looking for a coach, if Rick isn't a fit, I highly recommend my buddy Kevin here. So thanks so well, much, thank man, you, for being part yeah. of my world and <laughs> sharing yourself so great with my my listeners. Thank you. Yeah, I loved it too. Thank you for having me, Rick. That's a wrap for 40 Plus. Gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.